I'm Jason Stapp. And I'm Chad Davis. I talk about accounting firm stuff on the internet. And I've got an accounting firm in Canada. And apparently live in an RV. And this is accountant support. Come on in. Welcome. Let's support each other. So something I don't feel like we talk about much. <laughs> is pretty much all the decisions I've made have been through the lens of how's this going to work for the old family? Or not work for the old family? Or... What about the current circumstances doesn't work for the family? The real boss. The real boss. And so I don't feel like we talk about that much in our decision-making framework. But usually, mm. it, like most of my big decisions have come down to something about the current setup isn't working. Yeah, or something looks quite fun. And I want to go try to do that thing. <laughs> so you can look at it through both lenses. What's an example of that? Oh, let's get into that. Yeah, you're right. We do... Not talk about that enough. And I think it's becoming more and more and more popular. More and more and more. Can I say that three times? More and more and more popular for people to prioritize the things in their life than the things in their work. And it's a pretty important topic. Okay, so why don't we why don't we cruise through the various iterations of our careers and how the family factor informed that decision making. Let's get in the old way back machine. Mm -hmm. So uh, for me, my work life, the first 10 years of my work life was working in a firm for somebody else, which I think is what makes most people want to go out and start their own accounting firm. I got super burnt out doing U.S. tax work and just the seasonality of that and just the work itself I didn't super enjoy. You, should, but I, you could have tried Canadian tax work. It might have been nicer. No. Uh, the But ultimately it was like, can I really see myself doing this for another like 20 years? Most definitely not. That was what led me to transition to starting an accounting practice in the firm was that just seemed like a more enjoyable, sustainable thing. Mm -hmm. And I like, there was a stage of life where that was totally fine. Like my 20s were like, what else am I going to do if not work? So there was very much a stage for me where it was like, oh, if I work more then I'm getting ahead and... And maybe there was a degree of truth to that. I don't know that it was that much ultimately because I was still working for somebody else and helping them to get ahead. But I did have a stage of life where it was like, what else am I going to do? I may as well work my butt off. Did you have that stage of life? I liked the work. I don't know. I was, when I was starting out, uh, I just, I would take to any, any place that would give me something new to try out. So I kind of went from, you know, a job during university to a job, uh, doing some accounting work. And then as soon as I like was, private accounting. Yeah. And then when I was designated, then I kind of pieced out to the Caribbean islands and, uh, kind of learned, learned a lot on the job there. So there was, there was an element of work hard. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Um, taking, taking advantages of opportunities when you're younger you know, whether you work for the same place and get a whole bunch of experience or you move around a couple places. Um, I, I like the idea of, of kind of working hard, uh, and, and trying to figure out what you like. What do you think of, of sweaty culture, like falling out of style? Have you noticed that? And, and, uh, COVID I think helped with that too, but like yeah. now there's this like toxic sweatiness, uh, sort of, vibe where in many ways and maybe this is a u.s thing i feel like it's never been less cool to work a lot would you agree with that <laughs> cool or not um i think companies are reacting to that too so <clears throat> you do see a lot more companies prioritize at least on paper and publicly wellness right, yeah. and flexible working arrangements now in practice whether or not that translates into sweaty or not is to be determined but i mean it's cool to see so many changes happen so quickly as a result of that pandemic which is interesting because right now and early-ish mid 23 um we're actually like <clears throat> the big trend the last couple of months is folks saying quote unquote the remote work experience is done uh, Who's saying that? Sam Altman said it this morning or right. last night. Uh, 
But we did that. One of the big four just said everybody needs to fifty percent come back to work now. And now that we're post COVID, I wonder if I don't know. I wonder how associated that wellness focus and remote work is. Like, I wonder now if we're actually trending back in the wrong direction toward that sort of sweaty machine. So when you say that stuff, it feels like sweeping generalizations. Everyone should. We need to. There's not very many people saying what's right for this company is what they should be doing. And I think that's the approach that a lot of companies will take, but the news can capture the sentiments of the big company and project that on to the market as a whole. So regardless of what people say, we are ultimately, and I say we as the collective human beings can decide what's important to us and sort of seek that out. And wow, like what a time to be able to seek something out now where there's a lot more options because the eyes have been opened. I don't know if I've seen enough of that sweeping, hey, come back to the office uh, to to push certain people back, even though they they might want it. There is more people that are that are looking for jobs elsewhere. And the pool of remote work companies has gotten greater. Uh-huh. But at the same time, there's like nothing wrong about going into the office for people that want to go into the office. I think that's the key is like finding that place that fits your life cycle, your life cycle for your stage in your career, for your stage in your uh, personal life and for your own priorities. It's nice that there's a bigger pool now than there was five years ago. It's one thing that I never really liked about the hybrid setup is it didn't feel like you were like, well, it it was hard from just managing sort of two very different groups of people. But like, I also think it's okay to like be for a very specific type of employee. Yeah. And there's a lot of folks that just love and are energized by working in person. And that's totally fine. And there's people that are the opposite or or can't do that because of life circumstances. Mm -hmm. Um, But to bring us back to, uh, how we've kind of our family decision-making framework. Um, yeah. When I was working for someone else, so th- like when I was doing tax work, I, I eventually pulled the plug on that cause I just didn't enjoy that very cyclical nature. Like I, the, the entire notion that, and even like non-accountants know this, they're like, Oh, you're a CPA. Oh, that's why you're not at the soccer game in March. Mm. And I'm like, I can choose to do anything with my life. Why don't I build it around something that, and tax work does have flexibility for all but the part of the year where it has zero flexibility. And so I kind of got to the point where I'm like, there's got to be something else that I can build my life around that doesn't have those limitations. So I transitioned to accounting work, but ultimately uh, I didn't, like more control and freedom was what ultimately led me to like, I'm either going to go start my own practice or buy the, this practice to, I guess, let me have more agency over how I crafted like my days and my schedule and what I wanted my job to be. And <clears throat> that, that actually happened. Let's see, that would have been just after I had my first kid, which is like your, your kind of, thinking through a whole lot of things when that happens and being on the other side of that kind of rewires your brain a bit. Was that around 2018-ish? Yeah. So that was, and that was, and the second one was on the way at that point. Um, So that was a, that was probably the first like very, because before that it was like, what else am I going to do? I'm just going to work a lot. And I do enjoy my work, so it's not. I, I didn't see it through the lens of like I was subject to this necessarily. But that 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 was the first really like family driven decision where I'm like, okay, this is actually going to put me in the driver's seat. Where if I'm missing things, it's ultimately my fault. Um, but on the flip side, I ought to have control to be able to have like more flexibility in what I can engage in. Mm-hmm. And did it work out for the most part? And to be honest, that was actually one thing I appreciated about buying a practice was being able to like manage that machine in a way that wasn't 100% reliant upon me. Mm. 
So it, it like whether I got out of bed in the morning or not, everybody was still going to be working, which is obviously if you're the only one doing the work is not going to be the case. Right. And so at that stage in life, for me, that was something I appreciated about buying a firm. Yeah. We talked earlier about the, the hybrid versus fully remote. So just to recap, when you bought this, this was a, this was a company that had an office in the U.S. and you would go in every day. Mm-hmm. When did that switch over to either hybrid or fully remote or fully office? What was what the situation over the period of when you bought it to, you know, where we are today? So it was an 80-year-old tax practice, and all that stuff happened in the building. And a few years before I bought it with a partner, uh, I started an accounting practice that was a virtual practice. So the tax practice was always in person, mm-hmm. and that got a little more sticky during COVID. And uh, and we, they started pulling some hybrid people into there. But the accounting practice was always remote from day one. So there are two very distinct teams mm. and one largely didn't know the other existed. Um, but that was, that was a couple of years before I bought it. I started building that team. Mm-hmm. When you think about the remote nature of what you were building versus the tax practice that was in office, ultimately what, what worked better for your family in the long term? Was it the, ability to stay remote and to be at home sometimes with the flexibility to go into the office. If you, you know, rolled this all up into like what worked best for Jason, what did that sort of last few years look like in office at home? How did it affect your family? Well, I was ultimately managing both. So like, it wasn't, it wasn't as if I started a virtual team and can just be like, I run a virtual team. No, it was like, I was running a virtual team, but I was also running a physical office. Mm. But like being able to experience both, I think, I think like my take on this may be seasonal and may be impacted by the factor coming out of the pandemic. But like, I super enjoy working with people in person. And I like the way I approach hiring is so much energy based, like whether you're good at this stuff or not, like so much about the quality of our output boils down to the energy that goes into it Mm -hmm. and our energy to learn and to grow and do our best work and all that. Um, And those are the folks I really enjoy working with. And I kind of seek out that energy when I hire. And that energy in a room is like super infectious. And it's been hard for me to recapture that in a remote setting. So it would be hard for me to absolutely pick one or the other, but there are aspects of in-person work that I really enjoy. Obviously staffing where you can exclusively staff in person is really challenging relative to a lot of the benefits of building a remote team. Uh, Like, you know, in a remote team, pulling an offshore team members is just like supernatural and trivial and like it's, it just works. Mm-hmm. So there's upsides and downsides in terms of what works best for the family. There've been aspects, I've got a really young family and there's been aspects of remote work that have been really hard for the young family where like the kids are not of an age where they understand boundaries and dad's got to work right now. If I'm not spending time with them and they can see me and I'm just disregarding them, like for an 18 month old, they're like, oh, why doesn't he want to hang with me? And then all of a sudden I do want to hang with them. And it's it's not something they can totally get their heads around. My oldest is six and like she gets all that now. But that's not been without its challenges. Long term, this is definitely a season of life with the family thing. I super appreciate the flexibility to like travel and like do a month here and do a month there with the family. Uh, and obviously that's going to work much better in a in a virtual work environment. Mm. So I, I think having done both, like if I started an accounting practice tomorrow, it would like, it would be a virtual practice so that I could lean into offshore better so that I could hire people from anywhere. Uh, but also to give the family the more like ultimate flexibility. But I would still miss like the, like I know. The, that's always been the best part about getting together, whether it was for, retreats or for we did regional meetups for a long time and we did like camping trips oh it comes back to camping doesn't it It um 
like those were the things that made the virtual work environment work for us mm. because we had those connections and we had that like that trust builds up and that camaraderie builds up the more that you're you know together in a room whether it's in a restaurant or a retreat or you know an event or just something that is non-work related mm -hmm. and you know for the longest time I, I would not go to co-working days when teams would get together because I knew that I'd be the one that would want to talk about stuff and not get any work done. Yeah. I'd, I'd be the horrible person there that would just be like sitting there and like, so you want to talk about stuff? <laughs> and it just wouldn't work out that well. <laughs> so um, whenever those like co-working days would be over, I might pop in later and, you know, go for dinner with people or do that kind of stuff. So it was, it was always like the most wholesome and uh, enjoyable part of, of that remote work experience. And like, Ultimately, that's what I craved and missed when we started. Um, so we had moved from the Cayman Islands in 2012 back to Canada. And we had our young daughter there. And she was six months old when we moved back. Huh. So I completely understand like what it's like to have that young family and to prioritize work and family life. But that remote decision was one of well i'm probably like not going to get an office if i come back i have this house and we can work from the basement and there was really no plans to have employees or a team it was just to essentially like, help introduce zero to canadians that's mm -hmm. really what it came down to was that was that move back to canada was having your daughter a motivator there no and that's why in the beginning I said, or you, 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 you follow the shiny object syndrome sometimes. And it would have been really comfortable to stay down there. And like, we had a place on the beach overlooking the ocean. And it did was, you just go back to Canada to show Canadian zero? Isn't that crazy? Oh I know. <laughs> How, doesn't that seem completely ridiculous these days when like everybody's using cloud accounting? Yeah. A lot of people are remote. Timing has a lot to do with uh, decisions in life, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I had a had a great you know relationship with my boss at the time and the company I was working with and the friends and the you know the beach volleyball every weekend. It was a really nice life, but uh, ultimately it was the shiny object, the blue shiny object, uh, to come back and try something new. And what was really cool is that my wife didn't think that we were crazy to do that. And yeah. she bought into it too. Bless your wife. That like your <laughs> lifestyle and the whole RV thing and all it's that's wild, but that's another tangent. Yeah. So the the idea was that like we were together on these decisions. And I think that's a theme around like all of life's movements is that like when you when you're dialed in with your partner and you're you're making these decisions together, it is ultimately and it's ultimately better and, and magnified with its like ability to, to like reduce that friction if you're both on the same page. And I was super lucky. My wife has just always, always been a risk taker with that kind of, um, that mentality. Like we, we vibe really well on like where we want to take our lives. And some of the biggest decisions we've ever made have been the easiest decisions. If I think back to some of the things we do in the company, they're a lot harder than the family decisions, mm -hmm. which is, which is, which is really nice, um, on the family side. So, you know, fast forward, we've, we have had this, like, it has always been remote. Hiring has always been remote. The in-person meetings have always been a cornerstone of like creating that culture. And like anything in life, there becomes a point when you've done that thing to the best you can, or you get into habits that you're not happy with, or things just start to not work because it's compounded over a certain amount of time. And like, that was my life. I loved building the company with my business partner and all of our like, early employees. I loved the work. I love the, the technology. I love the people. Um, but ultimately I wasn't loving who I was becoming because I was sacrificing my 
like life happiness for putting this thing out in the world. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I just remember like I had this basement apartment or not apartment, <laughs> Freudian slip. Uh, I had this basement office with a door and I would walk down the stairs and I would close the door at 8am and I'd come back maybe for lunch, maybe for dinner and I'd be working after dinner. And my wife would just be with our daughter and it would just, it just was killing me that I was missing out on some of the stuff and I was so close. Mm. And I thought like, this is not an example of who or what I wanted this to look like. And eventually we just looked at each other like, okay, so something has to change, right? Yeah. What do we do? And I think there was a theme of changing circumstances to make major changes because maybe I know I'm, I'm not strong-willed enough to create smaller habits that compound on each other to make one big change. Mm. So I was like, pull the rug out, you know, we're, we're leaving the house and we're going to buy this RV and we're going to get on the road and just see what happens. So the plan was to have a smaller basement that was on the same <laughs> level and that would fix everything. <laughs> just get out of the surroundings. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but the, the best thing about that whole decision was that my wife, it was her idea. Huh. I just love that. Huh. It's like, she's like, maybe we should get this RV. Maybe we should go rent one and see what it's like. Maybe we should do this. And after we did like took up, took our first kind of trip with one, you know, it was her idea to say, let's do this more. Like I really liked being together in that small space. Uh -huh. Um, and it's just like, wow, like, okay. The, the, the damage of being so close, but so far away is like a real thing. And looking back, it's like, you can connect the dots really easily and say, Oh, if I just would have time blocked better, or if I just would have prioritized these things, um, I think every situation is different. And if you know yourself enough, sometimes you have to do big sweeping things and sometimes you're just full of willpower and you can do things mm -hmm. on your own, but that wasn't me. So how many years into firm running did you do the RV thing for the first time? Seven. So, no, sorry, I can't do math. Uh, three, eight, five. So five years in. So... In those initial firm running years, basement dweller Chad, yeah, <clears throat> not father of the year, not father of the year, tried, but not. What? Let's like drill into that time frame, because uh, I think there's a lot of folks considering going into that. People that are maybe in the middle of that, like trying to figure out how do I make building a thing from scratch work with like family stuff. So. I guess, what would you do differently? Like, how do you um, balance that drive to make a thing and, like, how that can be actually really fun and fulfilling? Yeah. But, like, ultimately make that work with everything else, too. Right. So the question is, you could go back in time, make a few changes. What would those changes be? Mm -hmm. What would you do? What would you do again? I would have given my per myself permission that it's okay to like push work to the next day. Mm. If you look back, I didn't give myself that permission. Like you just, everything felt more urgent than it needed to be. I think so. Right. I think, I think er, er, initially in, er, and in the beginning, there was this sense of, okay, we've, if we move faster, we will be able to afford that next hire quicker. Yeah. How much of that was like, I have to pay my bills versus just arbitrarily trying to grow, you know, because like, there's, there's that urgency of just like yeah. paying the mortgage. How much of it is that versus just growth? I think it was more growth. I mean, everybody's situation is going to be different, but our, ours is about the paying the employees and, yeah. and getting that next person in to help. Cause it, you know, back then it was, it was, there was a lot of customers that were, that were interested in this, that couldn't find people that could do it for them. And like, it, it was a, it was an exercise of, um, just prioritizing growth rates. So I think, I don't know if I would slow down as much, but I would, I would not push the extra hours mm -hmm. as much as, as much as that kind of hurts me to say, cause I know that that would slow down the growth a bit. Um, it would have it would have given me a more wholesome, you know, 
after dinner life or hour in the afternoon life. And look, it's only an hour to a day, maybe three hours mm. that you're talking here, but that compounded over six months or a year, right. that really adds up. Yeah. It's the not having that hour for six months on end. And yeah. Was there a, like drilling in even further, was there a window there where you were first getting started where it was like, I'm not sure financially, like we've got to get our first customers. And so like, I'm going to work around the clock, like it's just for like our own security. Was there a window there or did you come into that with a, with an F cash to burn that it was never. That wasn't a major issue because we had had a, like, we had a lot of customers in the beginning. Now we did a lot of work we shouldn't have done, but we had customers that. How did you have well, a lot of customers in the beginning? It was like my business partner had, uh, had written a bunch of stuff and, you know, his blog posts were getting lots of, uh, traffic. Okay. Um, the tech community in Toronto was starting to hear about, you know, this accounting firm that was working with online tools and okay. like so the customer acquisition wasn't, wasn't too bad. It, was, it wasn't bad in the beginning. Okay. No. No. So it was less about the financial thing and just more about, okay, how can we, how can we smooth this out over more people so that there's like an element of uh, being able to handle this kind of in, in, intake. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, when you think about like your first year, when you mentioned, you know, your oldest didn't know the boundaries in the beginning, but now, now does any similarities to my story or did you just have fundamentally better brain than me and could compartmentalize being at home? Well, the whole basement thing's interesting because that's like, that is life going into an office. Uh, and you can't pop out. I mean, you could pop out for lunch with the family, but like what made the basement hurt in my mind was that you could have and didn't like the basement is much closer to the family than the office is. But like most people still just go into an office and they work until they work and they don't see those people from the time they leave home mm. to get back home. But and so like that doesn't sound that the basement doesn't sound that different to the office but it, but it's almost like what made that basement painful was that you could have and then you were closer right and then you made that even harder for yourself by going to an RV so it was even smaller <laughs> so that it was like it was even harder to avoid them but that that's kind of interesting i um so i went into an office every day even through covid like and it wasn't until this year that I've been working from home. Really, by and large, even when I was running a remote team and they were all from home and we had people around the world and around the country, um, I was still going into an office every day. And that was easy, easier for the kids to understand. I'm at a place doing a different thing. And that's why I can't be with them. Mm -hmm. Being at an office can be, I think there's a lot of, there are people who are wired to really enjoy work and as much as it is like a terrible thing to say aloud, there's a lot of people like who are wired to like, if they're going to spend, they would ultimately rather spend eight hours a day working than with the family. Like that is what they enjoy. That's like what um, drives them. And it's probably a seasonal life thing. But <clears throat> fact of the matter is like, that's where they want to be mm -hmm. is in the office and working and building something. Sure. And they take a lot of fulfillment from that. And the office can be a, this like elixir that I think makes you not feel bad about being away. And there's very much like socially, like it's like, and this has always been a problem with particularly around tax in the U S I think like there's this degree of like sick pride that can be taken and the absurd number of our, like, you know, I'd had uh, like 410 hour weeks in a row at one point. And Sorry, what's the number? 410 hours? Four, four 110 <laughs> hours, weeks in a row. And my senior is finals. That even, is that even possible? My senior <laughs> finals week, um, I stayed up. I worked through two nights. My finals week was during tax season. Whoa. I had this back roads, 35 minute drive between my, my college campus and the office that I worked at. So finals, my last finals week of my senior year is happening during tax season. I have tests that I'm driving back and forth for. 
but it's busy season. <laughs> so I literally went two full nights in a row without sleeping, doing this awful drive back and forth several times a day where I'm like, how I didn't end up in a ditch, I don't know. Um, but I, we like the office and like the culture of work and especially what public accounting in the U.S. is like you can absolutely trick yourself into I'm doing the right thing or like there's I can take pride in just going into the office mm -hmm. and working until the end of time. And it's easier in the office, I do think, because you don't have to see those people and the people the who maybe you're disappointing. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. like you're sort of distanced from the guilt. And so that's not really something I've had to grapple with until this year when I when I am at home. And it definitely is different. Like the days where I go down there at six in the morning and I work and I only come up for food, there is definitely a different level of like built in guilt to that. But I never really had to grapple with that, I feel like, quite so much when I was going into an office. So there's your takeaway. Yeah. You don't want to feel guilty, get an office. Uh, and uh, then you just you, you don't see their faces pressed up against the window saying, Daddy, are you going to come spend so time with me? me? <laughs> I'm working. <laughs> no, it's true. And like when it, when it came time to like make up for this, like to put this in perspective, when we left, my youngest was two and my oldest was six. So it was still somewhat of a young family. Yeah. And I had still built up all that guilt over the first kind of five or six years of her life. And like, don't get me wrong. We still spent a lot of time at home, but like, it was just the, the, the constant day in and day out that like, it just, it does those, those one hour blocks or two hour blocks just add up over time. So now, you know, you fast forward and they're 12 and eight and they've grown up essentially traveling you know, across all the states and across all the provinces and like their, their world is completely changed because our world completely changed. Mm -hmm. And like you mentioned going to one place for a month at a time, that is the most special thing about, I think my life right now is that we used to be go, go, go. I want to show the kids all these things. I mean, they're not going to remember any of that stuff at that yeah. age, but you know what they remember now? It's like, Oh, we live in Palm Springs now. Oh, we live on Vancouver Island. We live in Texas or Arizona. And like, they remember the one month stays now. And we, com okay. we completely like changed our travel so that we spend three to five weeks in one spot now. Okay. So they get to meet people and yeah. go into the, you know, the sports and gymnastics locally and the, um, skating and the groups. Like, it's just, it's such a, a more like wholesome part of our life now that fits us today. Huh. And like, there will be a time just like when the basement jumped the shark, that this does too. And then we, we do something else for that like season of life. And that's completely okay. Um, do you think that like having a, like with the RV, there's kind of this inherent like sense of adventure and other thing that the family is focused on. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like built into that process. And I've had times in life where like we had this family thing that we were looking forward to or this thing that we were planning for and working on together that everybody was excited for. And then times where you didn't have that. I feel like that's been a helpful galvanizing thing for the family mm. is this shared thing that isn't work mm -hmm. that everybody's working towards. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've just unlocked that in the last couple of years because mm -hmm. like it's a thing that everybody can work on. Yeah. And in many ways, like work is the thing that the person works works on and nobody else can understand it <laughs> and it's kind of this isolating thing but yeah I've, i feel like having that shared thing has been helpful we let our kids pick the cities we go to now oh it is incredibly funny where they i mean sometimes we don't because they'll say like alaska I'll be like i don't think we should do that in december uh, i don't even <laughs> know if we can drive there then oh. um but like uh We'll say, okay, we're going from here to here. Find the place in between that you want to go to. Go watch YouTube. Go watch Google, and we'll stop. Hmm. The last trip that we went through, we said, okay, we're we're starting in California, and we're just we're heading over towards Texas for next week. Uh, find something to do, and they found Carlsbad Caverns. They're uh. like, this looks cool. It looks like a cave. Of course, it's a cave, and they uh, 
They're like, we want to go here. So it was a three hour one way detour. I was going to say, so you had to go, <laughs> you had to go northwest of Carlsbad. <laughs> but it's not a big deal. So we went up that way, went through the mountains. It was such a cool drive and stayed the day at Carlsbad and then went back down to get onto the interstate to head over. You weren't Carlsbad and you didn't do Legoland? No, that was Carlsbad, uh, California. I went to Carlsbad Caverns, which is in like, New Mexico or or somewhere Arizona border New Mexico up there. Okay, yeah, gotcha. So, and yes, like we were in Carlsbad, but, but we didn't do Legoland because yeah. we're we're saving that for you. Well, thank Look you. Look at that. Anyway, now but, we have something to build towards. That's right. Uh, but that is true. And like uh, every year, and this is like we talk about like what we're doing for the families. We never used to ask our kids where we wanted to go, but now we do, and like they're 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 a part of the decision. But just like we like we're forcing this like lifestyle on them or also like I'm more respectful like a lot now than I was maybe in the first year or two when it was all excitement. So every year, three or four months before school time, like we ask our kids like, you ready to go back to school? You want to go back to, you know, elementary and, and go out with all the kids and do these things. And they're just like, tell me more. Like, what is it like? What yeah. is it like? And like, here's what it's like. And we're very like, no, I'd rather go travel. Huh. I'd rather go do this. I'd rather just keep doing my school the way I'm doing my school. Wow. And it's like, quite the democracy you're running. <laughs> it's Maybe my little anarchists are just too young for this right now. But It's been the last couple of years, like two years where we've had these like big discussions about this. Um, and of course, like we're really heavily relying on the 12-year-old because uh, it's, getting, it's getting time to make a change there. But... Um, it was, it was a good season of life and it was, it was just a good reminder that like, if you are like, if you're forcing yourself to isolate and to build and to feel like it's all on you, like there is an element of that, but I bet you that like your partners or your family, like they're, they're not as hard on you as you are as hard on yourself and they just want to see you. So I feel like the world's moving in a better place right now where that's, that's not the norm. One of the things that I think is really hard about working for yourself rather than working someone else for someone else, that's like a kind of been like a uh, thing that's hung over me for as long as I had complete control over my availability is like when you work for someone else, there's always somebody else to blame. Like you can say, mm. I was, you know, you can say, this season of life was really hard because I had to do this thing for this company. And there's that arbitrary framework of, well, you work eight hours a day and during tax season, you work, you know, X number of hours a week. And there was this like edifice that wasn't real, but at least made you more comfortable with, it at least made it easier to rationalize the amount of time that you spent on those different things. But as soon as you, once you have complete control over that and you see how arbitrary like those hourly weeks are and all of that stuff, and you have full control to even spend a hundred percent of the time with the family, if you wanted to, it's been really hard for me to get to like the right answer at any given season of life for my kids and for me and all of that. And it's, it's it mainly been hard to, manage a little bit of like inherent guilt that you can do that mm. and that you feel so privileged to be able to do that, but you still go to work. Have you grappled with that at all? Yeah, I, I think uh, I was really lucky too, that there's a lot of people that I work with that were just incredibly like talented and, built into building this thing and I could lean on them a lot. They kept me in check. Um, like there's just, there's just so much, um, like love for that early group that brought, like it removed that guilt a little bit because I could, because it was the, the team that you were kind of growing with. Yeah. And developing. Yeah. Yeah. It felt, it felt like sure. I, I was putting that there too. I don't know. And they're better than your family. No, <laughs> but it was, it was just, it was a, it was a thing of like developing your family life, developing the work life. And it's just like, I think, I think if I had to do it all over again, I, I might just prioritize profit versus growth. Right. And 
I would define profit myself as like, not just monetarily from the company, but like, what is a sustainable amount of money that would allow the team to live their best lives and to be able to serve our customers well, but also like, what is the bank that I'm drawing on for family time? And like, including that in the profit calculation and uh, that's wishy-washy, but it's, it's how my brain works. Your availability and your time is also a huge variable there. Like, yeah. because m making half as much money, but having, you know, being able to eliminate 75% of your work and get a whole bunch of time back and have a business that's much more self-sufficient. Like there's time, there's been times for me where like, that's absolutely a trade-off worth making. Mm -hmm. And it's a luxury, like to, like to be able to say that is like a mm -hmm. very big luxury, but. but. And you've, you've publicly said that like, you are not really interested at this stage in your life of like having a team or employees again. Yeah. And it's at least like right now, because that was the biggest stressor for me running a firm. It was simultaneously like the thing I drew the most satisfaction from and the thing that stressed me out the most. Like mm. there was nothing more fulfilling than enabling a better career for people and helping them to grow. And knowing that even if I disappeared and the firm disappeared tomorrow, they're in this, they are like going to be so wanted anywhere mm. they go and be successful in all those things. And that was like the most fulfilling part of my work. But man, the thing that just kept me up at night was like the bigger your team gets, the more you end up being like the bottom of this funnel of like work challenges, of personal challenges for all of these people and stuff that's happening in their life that you end up like kind of carrying with them. Mm. That was probably the biggest thing for me was we did like you had teams of people with just like complex things in their lives that impacted work that to a degree we had to be plugged in because plugged into because they impacted work. Yeah. And just like carrying all of that for that many relationships I learned was really hard for me. And that may not even be a work thing as much as it is a, how many close relationships can you have in your life thing? I don't, maybe I'm wired in a way where I carry enough of that, that that's just going to be really hard beyond a certain number of people. Yeah. But the, the silver, the silver lining to some of these things is that some of the closest relationships you you make are because of your work life. <laughs> Too, I think about people that I've met because of work. It's like, oh, those are people close to my life now. I really, I really feel like if I looked back ten years and I didn't have these people in my life, I'd be worse off. Mm -hmm. And it's like that kind of gives you a bit of like, oh, maybe I should just keep going and see where this takes me in life and. It's almost like there's no, like there's not very many bad answers. There's just like the answers that are right for you in your season of life. And I think that's, that's a good takeaway for today. Yeah. So like, I think a helpful way to like, uh, synthesize all the stuff you've done in the past and kind of your experiences and all that is if you were to build this again tomorrow, you know, if you were to do it, you were to do it all over again from scratch tomorrow with what you know and what you've done right and what you've done wrong. What would that look like for you starting it from scratch tomorrow? Let's say you got to empty the bank account. So like there is that urgency that most people are going to have when they're starting a firm. Mm -hmm. What is that discussion like? Uh, what's that transaction look like with the family and that negotiation of like, here's how we're going to reset expectations uh, on what this looks like for how much I work for what the day to day looks like with the family and all that. I know, not to rehash what we said earlier, but it would be optimize for the profit that you need to sustain the life you want right now, and then grow based on whatever needs of you and your family and your company require. And like you can choose whatever company type and whatever growth path or stability path you want, but it, I think it all just comes back to um, like not growing for the sake of growing, but like growing for the sake of like sustainable calm profit and that's that's really nice i think i would have um i would have prioritized like having a lot more time with my wife and young daughter uh and and not giving myself such a hard time later on yeah i just i would have, i would have prioritized that and like ultimately that would mean a different company but it would um I don't think it would have like pushed me to make like big, massive, drastic changes. So it's it's kind of weird where I, I don't have like a, a crazy ton of regret, 
but I think I still would have done some things differently. And that's, that's true for anybody that looks back in their life five yeah. or 10 years. Um, when you think about the same question, starting it all from scratch, what would you do differently? I think there, so like one thing I talk about quite a bit is, especially when you're going out on your own, when you go out on your own, there's like, you have kind of this, the first number you want to get to is I want to make what I was making before. And, um, like there's, for most people, there's like that really angst, like angsty period of how am I going to like get back financially to the level that I was. And like, that is just that step number one, but then it happens qu usually quicker than you think. And then you get to two X and you never could have imagined being at two X. And then you look around yourself and you're like, well, let's keep going. When like, if you talk to yourself 18 months ago, you'd be like, no, you knucklehead, like build the best life you can around two X. That sounds pretty good right now. Mm -hmm. And then you get into it and you're like, and you're like, well, I mean, what's another three X. Uh, <laughs> and so like if I were approaching this again, and so I, so like on the financial side, I do think there's value in like just like documenting your frame of mind at a given point because it puts it all into perspective in a really helpful way uh, because you just grow and you grow and you, you lose perspective of how unthinkable where you're at was to you not that long ago. Yeah. And something has to be like, I, in my opinion, something has to be enough. Like you have to have a number, you have to get to a point that's like, I can dial it back beyond this threshold. It doesn't mean you stop, but you at least don't have to keep like going super hard. So my framework would probably be something that budgets for time and money where like the reality is when you're doing that initial build that is getting to just paying the mortgage, like that's a sweaty time. And there's, I do think that there's probably a trade-off there where you say, hey, within this time frame, and you have to put a time frame on it because you can't do it forever. Mm -hmm. Within this time frame, we are going to make some trade-offs. And like, that's kind of like, that's honestly one of my biggest fears. And I saw my dad do that. Like the whole trading time now for later thing, I think is almost always a trap. Mm -hmm. And that's why you probably have to put a max time window on it. It's why building your firm as a side hustle is ultimately the best thing to do because if you're already there when you start, that is a hundred times better mm. rather than like, you know, building from zero or taking 36 months to get to the salary you had before. Mm. Um, I We would have to do some negotiation around like what is going all out look like and how long are we willing to do it? Because at the end of the day, we are still accountants who can get a job virtually anywhere that pays just fine. Like mm -hmm. you can build a good life and make good money mm -hmm. working for somebody else. Right. So mm -hmm. to a degree, like what are you doing this for? If it is going to come at a huge sacrifice to do it for yourself. Yep. So we would have to do some negotiating around like, what are the terms of engagement to get to number X so that we also have a separate kind of, agreed upon what does this look like beyond that threshold because that's got to be the reason that you're doing it is what's on the other side of just that really initial like dark scary period which goes by so fast for most people i think mm -hmm. uh, and oftentimes they will make long-term decisions based on that really relatively short window of time that's really scary that may be four months or six months like it's for most people it goes by pretty like quicker than they would expect but yeah we, for me that like the trade-off would have to be like is this something that you can see yourself doing for 10 years and what does that life look like over 10 years like and for us getting out of the firm at the end of the year that was my kids are starting to get into other stuff like gymnastics and rock climbing sports and stuff like that. And that was like that, like what is the better version that leaving the firm will enable? It was like me being able to take June to gymnastics and like being able to make dinners and just stuff that we didn't think was possible where we were or felt really hard. So we did kind of like, try to craft that reality ahead of time. Um, and thankfully, like in my case, leaving the firm to the business that I run now, like it effectively was a side hustle, mm -hmm. but coming into it, which if you can do it, this is the best way to do it. 
coming into it, like financially, we were fine. Like there wasn't that window of got to build, got to build, got to build. Otherwise, I don't know how we're going to have the cash. Um, so like that's best case scenario. Yeah. But for, for me, it would be negotiating what those dark days look like and how dark they can truly be because ultimately you can still go back to what you're doing. But also like what is long, how is long term actually going to be better? I met a guy, uh, he was messaging me on LinkedIn and he was saying like, Hey, I just took like half of my time and I have this new kid. She's nine months old. I've spent the last nine months doing like half the week working, half the week being with, with them. And I'm probably going to do this for another three or four months. And that was the plan that we set with our family. Yeah. I just love seeing that. And he's like, yeah. I'm fine. He's like, financially, we planned for this. This was a really important thing in our lives. And it's just like, it's cool to see like, that's the norm or like, that's what people yeah. are thinking about now when they, when they go through those stages of life. Yeah. Like there was like, if you think back to like, uh, working for somebody else and the traditional, and I know, I know you couldn't hang in the traditional public uh, accounting space and you never actually did it. Uh, Burn. But like just the mindset, like turning up to work at a regional firm every single day um, and seeing that sweaty culture and like the partner or out track, like stuff like that's just, I think, so incomprehensible for people. And I actually think like there's a lot of people that just ditch on the profession as a whole because they can't see anything but that. Yeah. Like your like your lifestyle is a fantastic advertisement for the profession. You know it would be better is if like a gas company would sponsor the diesel because that is expensive. Fuel company. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are you writing that off? No comment. <laughs> you, you really can't. <laughs> yeah, so no. Um but anyway, that was good discussion. I like I like talking about this. I think everybody's got a different story, a different situation, but fundamentally we can choose like where to be uh depending on where the economy is, right? I think this is this is another one of those moments where you know, the last 10 years have been different than the 10 years before it and the 10 years before that and um we're not sure what's coming up, but I just it just I just heard about this great place. Demondo's gay po- don't worry about it. Lion King story just connected to my wife's <laughs> cell phone via Bluetooth. This raced across the fried lands in it's an effort to lose the watchful bird. They led him yeah. through many herds of animals until they thought. What were you saying, Chad? Well, it's, it's gonna, something about 10 year chunks. And I mean, how can we not just end off of songs and story? The Lion King by Robert Guillaume. Um, now I want to go listen to that. So it's been a slice, Jason. It's been a slice. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>